We're back with another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron, we want to talk about something that's kind of near and dear to my heart, and I know it's near and dear to your heart, and that is a basic philosophy of investing that we call the Rip Van Winkle portfolio. Yeah, and the Rip Van Winkle portfolio is really a selection of conservative stocks that I came up with 30 years ago, and I used to do one every year uh, when I had a financial talk show. And I named it after the fictional character created by Washington Irving, who created this individual who fell asleep in the Catskill Mountains for 20 years. And when he woke up, he found that there'd been a huge amount of societal change because he'd slept through the Civil War. Now, the term Rip Van Winkle seems appropriate for this type of portfolio because the characteristics of stocks that I'm looking for to put in this basket are companies that are durable, they have consistent business models, and they're theoretically the types of companies that you could leave alone for a period of 20 years without having to trade or replace them and make a lot of of, uh, adjustments in your portfolio along the way. Now, in real life, you're going to have to make some adjustments because in our modern world, technological obsolescence is really the new reality. But in even in this brave new world, if you had a Rip Van Winkle portfolio, you should be able to do like Rip did and sleep through a lot of this. And this is a portfolio that should allow you to survive recessions, bear markets, and allow you to do so without having it turn your world upside down and creating a lot of stress. And especially those people that are nearing retirement or in retirement, that's the kind of portfolio they're looking for. So these stocks are chosen because they generally have lower volatility than the market. And because of their quality, they bounce back more quickly. Uh, Now, this doesn't mean that this portfolio is not immune to some price fluctuations because if you own a stock, you're going to experience some volatility. But it's a good compromise for people who want exposure really to the superior performance that stocks can produce over time yet without the time expenditure on research and the emotional commitment that usually comes with trading and higher volatility portfolios. So I, I sense that we're talking about sectors here. You, you want to, and we've done this before on Making Money, there are certain sectors that you favor more than others. So that's kind of the building block here, isn't it? Very much the building block, Gord. And, and there's sectors of the economy, and it's always been the premise that uh, I know you and I have both followed very closely in our own personal portfolios, is we like to own companies and and sectors where they have a built-in monopoly or they have a built-in strategic advantage that makes it very hard for the competitors to knock them off. And typically that means that they're in businesses that we need and use all the time. And so building a portfolio with those kinds of companies and, and sectors in mind allows you to have things that literally you can own for long periods of time. You have to check on them occasionally, but usually they're the kind of companies that crank out dividends and slowly increase those dividends. And if you look at the stock on a 20-year chart, it slowly moves from the lower left to the upper right and there's a few wiggles along the way, but uh, it, they're not nearly as volatile as the market as a whole. Okay, let's start. And and one of the you know the big elephants in the room is insurance, right? That's it's been around forever. 
All they do is make money. <laughs> and that's that. That is, you know, as far as investment premises go, you couldn't put it more succinctly. They make money consistently. And, and, they, the, and they do do big payouts. We understand that. Sometimes there's pretty big claims against them, but they have the ability to recoup those payouts very quickly, it seems. Yes. And don't forget, and we've got a show coming up on insurance companies, but the really good insurance companies have what's called is a float. And a float is the period of time where they've taken premiums in, but they don't have to pay that premium out. And they can invest that premium and make money off of it. And you know, you've got companies like uh, uh, Warren Buffett's uh, Berkshire Hathaway, for example, which has made a lot of their investments over the years just off the premiums that, uh, or that float that, that they have from their big insurance company operations. So um, insurance companies have uh, three or four ways to make money. We're going to be talking about that on a future show. But the thing that I like about them is their consistency. You know, Sun Life their shares are up since 2000, uh, about 300 or three, three and a half times. Yeah. And that it, we're not even counting the number of dividend increases those guys have had. So Sun Life is a good example of this type of stock. Also, what's considered to be probably the most insure, uh, secure or conservative insurance company in Canada is Great West Life, uh, GWO, and I own Sun Life and Great West Life personally. As do I have over the years as well. <laughs> yeah, they're just solidly run. Okay, and this is one we've talked about before on previous shows, and it's not going away because we use it every day. We all need water. And certainly, if you look at the water infrastructure in North America and globally, Many of the water purification facilities, the treatment plants, uh, the pipes that um, move water to your home, uh, the sewage pipes that take, take it away to a plant, um, many, much of this infrastructure was built, in some cases, like in New York, a lot of that infrastructure is 100 years old. Or older, and, yeah. Or older. Yeah. And in, in Europe, uh, much older. So these companies not only are providing um, pure water, they're also having to spend money to fix their infrastructure. Because they are utilities, they get to pass on those costs and make a rate of return on them. So uh, companies, like in Canada, it's very difficult to invest in, in publicly traded water utilities because most water is municipal, isn't it? Yeah, Usually. municipal. Yeah. yeah, and it's not publicly traded. Yeah. But if you go outside of Canada, uh, into the United States, into Europe, uh, into uh, Latin America, into Asia, there's companies that, frankly, are publicly traded that are very, very consistent stocks. And, and just two examples here for you is American Waterworks. This is AWK. It trades in New York. And also Aqua America. It's got a great symbol, WTR, <laughs> and it also trades on New York. So there's a couple of examples of two companies that are in a business that's going to be around for a very, very long time, and they're not the kind of businesses that, you know, I can't think of anything, at least at the moment, that is going to replace a pipe with water coming into your home 
provide you with your basic needs. You know, they're not facing technological obsolescence for a long period of time. And over the years, Ron, uh, yeah, I've owned American Waterworks at a couple of occasions. It's not a stock that, you know, it doesn't knock your socks off. It just it just hangs in there and does well, right? You know, here's a company that typically will grow its earnings scored at 5% a year. And, you know, you combine that with a, a dividend that has historically been between 2 and 3%. And so you look at the earnings go up 5% a year, the, often the stock typically will go up by that much as well. And you get the dividend on top of that 5% plus 3%, you're getting an 8% total return. An 8% total return, especially if you're compounding that year after year and decade after decade, this gets very, very sizable returns if you are willing to hang on to it for a while. Another one we talked about in a show, and it's it's one that uh, you just don't think off the top of your head, well, geez, I should own some garbage companies. But, hey, that's not going away either. No, I mean, here's another business where you literally you take your trash cans and you haul them to the curb on a specific day a week, and if you have recycling, they go in a specific box. And they come every week and pick this stuff up. And the wonderful thing about this industry is that they have so many ways to make money. Not only do they pick up your waste, uh, they also have to take it to a dump, which charges. Uh, And now there's mandates where a lot of this stuff has to be recycled. So, for example, you look in Edmonton, there's these huge conveyor belts. And this stuff is all separated out. And so they get to charge another fee for all the recycling they do. And in companies like Waste Management, they are drilling into their own garbage dumps. They're taking out the, um, the methane and they're refining it and cleansing it a bit. And then they're putting it in their trucks. And so their trucks are running on their own fuel. So these fuel spikes uh, don't hurt them as much. Boy, that's so, fascinating. That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. You know, so there's so many sources of income that these guys have, and waste is not going away, especially if, uh, you know, you look at people are moving to getting more and more things delivered to them at home, and there's all this boxes and, and wrappings and things like that. And you look and go in, uh, in dumpsters these days, uh, there's a huge amount of, of uh, wrapping that, that ends up in the trash. So anybody that thinks that trash is going away, well, it isn't. More of it's going to be recycled, that's for sure. But trash is a business that is not going away anytime soon. Other one you mentioned there was Republic Waste Management, right? RSG in New York. Yeah, RSG in New York, and those are the two big players in the U.S. There's others, and all we're trying to do on this show is give you examples of companies that sort of fit that bill. And, uh, you know, for example, in water, American Waterworks and Aqua America are the two big players. And so if we're not giving you always the biggest player, we're giving you the highest quality or, or some of the higher quality ones to look at. And obviously you can take this and do more of your own research. Like, for example, we're going to be talking about railroads. We've got a couple of Canadian picks because Canadians really know how to run railroads well. But there's also American railroads that you can own. There's railroads in other publicly traded companies in other parts of the world. But railroads are obviously a pick, and we've got a couple of names to look at. But there's more names. We just picked some of the more convenient ones and higher quality ones that we knew people would recognize. 
Well, everybody knows Canadian Pacific and Canadian National. Uh, and as you said, I've, I have a number of friends over the years that have worked for railways, some of them in senior management positions. Uh, these companies, they are so well run. They just are. The Canadian railroads and the, their railroading model first started with CNR, then it went to CP and with Hunter Harrison, and then it went to the U.S. So the U.S. railroads are using the Canadian model to make their railroads more efficient, like the Canadian railroads. And so railroading is one of those issues where we're not the, dog, the, the tail following the U.S. dog. The U.S. railroads are following what we're doing because what we're doing is state-of-the-art, and, and we are just better at doing it than they are. So CP and CN are two companies that aren't going away, and especially with higher fuel costs, you know, it is far, far more uh, energy efficient to ship by rail than ship by truck. Now, there's some things that are going to continually be shipped by truck because they need to get there quickly, but if things, especially the bulk goods, you know, coal, lumber, uh, grains, agricultural products like fertilizers, no way that stuff's going to get shipped by truck. They really need to uh, ship that by by rail because the cost by shipping with a truck is just enormously expensive. So here's a monopoly. And, Gord, anybody listening to this show over a period of time knows that you and I love monopolies. And in <laughs> Canada, you got two choices, CP yeah. or CN. CN. And nobody's building another railway. <laughs> That's no. not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's so. not going to happen. Okay, let's get into into real estate. I got rental accommodations. You've been a big fan of this as well, right? Yeah, I've owned uh, REITs that own apartments. I've owned them for years and years and years. And two plays that uh, are a starting point if you want to do your own research. Uh, take a look at Tricon. Uh, they spend the bulk of their capital buying houses, renovating them, and then uh, renting them out. And then you've got uh, Canadian Apartment REITs, which does basically the same thing, but does it in apartments. Uh, Canadian Apartment REIT is mostly Canadian-focused. Tricon is Canadian, but the bulk of their assets are in the Sunbelt states in the U.S., which I also like because as we get older, that's where we want to live, where it's warmer. I think they talked to the head of Tricon in 60 Minutes a few weeks ago. About, uh, about their strategy of buying homes for rental. And it's, uh, it's a fascinating business model and a very good one, too. Yeah, and you know, over time, uh, apartments and, and, and homes, as interest rates go up and people find it harder and harder uh, to afford homes as the home prices continue to rise, more people are going to rent. And that is just a great tell uh, win for these kind of companies. They usually pay good dividends, and they're the kind of companies where if you have higher inflation, usually real estate is one of those assets that in a higher inflation environment does quite well. So if you can't afford your own home and you want to participate in the real estate sector, take a look at Tricon, which uh, it's another one that I own, or Canadian Apartment REITs, or many of the others that trade in this sector that are very worthwhile investments. Wineries and distilleries, we've talked about this before. Uh, 
People like a beverage. Not everybody. It's not everybody's cup of tea, if you will. Pardon the pun. But they uh, they do very, very well. And, and when times are good, people drink. When times are bad, it seems they drink more, right? <laughs> That's And if you go and look at the statistics over time, you'll find that people generally, not just an old wife's tale, but when people are depressed, they drink more. I mean, that's probably not the healthiest option, but financially, it's a, it's it's how things play out. And the I think the world's biggest player in in distilleries is a company called Diageo. Oh, okay. and I've owned it over the years. I <laughs> said again, a great big company and extremely well run. Yeah, Diageo. I've owned that I think since 1994. I've uh, I've owned Diageo, and, um, you know, it just keeps increasing its dividend. The share price over time is kind of stodgy, but it goes up on a very regular basis. And as the third world gets more wealth, as they move from poverty, one of the things that uh, people like uh, is, is a good beverage, and, and certainly if you go to China or you go to Japan or any of the Asian countries, they buy the premium uh, stuff, right? They buy the premium stuff and they buy European and North American stuff because frankly, uh, I've been to China a whole bunch of times. There isn't a lot of premium alcohol that is produced in that country. You know, most of the stuff is, is probably better, uh, better suited for cleaning your drains. Well, they might get there one day. You never know. With their technological advances, I guess that's on the table. But uh, Constellation Brand's another big one, isn't it? Yeah, and that one is more focused on wines and and beers. Um, and actually, Constellation uh, has has bought some marijuana assets as well. So they're quite well diversified. And the symbol is STV. And they're trading on New York as well. So uh, two big names to look at. And, of course, there's lots of others in this space. Given the way the world is unfolding these days, Ron, uh, I guess you can't go wrong with a defense contractor, can you? Defense has been one of the most stable industries over the years, just simply due to the fact that mankind just can't seem to get rid of its addiction to fighting one another over territory, over trade rights, over culture over a lot of things and we see that right now with what's happening between russia and ukraine and uh, you can bet china is looking very very closely at this because uh they've threatened for years that if um, taiwan doesn't come on board um they would they would invade yeah uh, they would they would they would invade and of course you've got north korea and south korea that are uh, looking at each other and north korea would uh has threatened many times to, to roll into South Korea. I mean, they'd be crushed, but when you've got a crazy dictator as a leader, um, who knows? And, of course, with the threats, people arm themselves up. You're looking at the Middle East. Um, you're looking at Saudi Arabia. All these countries that are exporting oil at $100 a barrel and are getting money to burn, literally, they're looking at buying defense, very sophisticated defense systems to protect themselves. A couple of names here is Raytheon, RTN, and Lockheed Martin, LMT, and also trades on New York. Uh, Raytheon especially is focused on missiles. Lockheed Martin especially is focused on combat aircraft. 
So uh, there's a number of names that uh, these guys are going to have, have back orders of their products going out for decades. Well, another thing that's very much in focus these days, of course, is uh, food production, agriculture. Agriculture is facing some pressure, supply chain issues. Uh, is that maybe put a little more risk in going there? Well, I think that if you look at Nutrien. I mean, we have Nutrien to keep makes, eating, right? We have to keep yeah, eating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A nutrient is going to take advantage of this situation. I mean, the stock is, I looked, stock's only 10 times earnings right now, even though it's had a big move. But if you lock out fertilizer that's produced in Russia, uh, they're a big, big player. And, of course, people are going to have to go elsewhere to get their fertilizer. And Nutrien is an amalgamation of, uh, which included potash. So they produce a lot of, uh, of different types of fertilizer, nitrogen-based fertilizers, uh, the potash itself. And so they also have farm stores all over North America, South America, and they're moving into, they're moving into Asia as well. So here's a company that is a direct beneficiary of these sanctions. And as you destroy infrastructure and, and you block trade from happening, because, for example, the ports that Russia ships out of, well, they're being, nobody can ship using uh, Russian, Russian cargo, Russian ships. This stuff's all embargoed. So Nutrien, Archer Daniels Midland, which is a, a crusher, and, and a store and, and producer of, of animal feeds. So they do all kinds of things. Their symbol's ADM. They trade on New York. Those are two companies that I think have a very, very long and very, very good future ahead of them. Aging demographic, we've talked about this on previous episodes of Making Money. Healthcare is a big one too, right? Yeah, healthcare, you know, you can't dismiss the fact that when you're, you're in, in your 60s or above, that you're using, I think, seven times the amount of health care expenses every year than someone who's in their 20s. And as populations globally grow older, you're getting more and more demands on health care, and it's one of the truly great growth industries of the last 20 years, and as far out into the future as I can see anyways. And uh, two names, and I own, uh, I own both of them, actually. Uh, that you could look at as a starting point for some exploration in this area is Medtronic. And they make medical, implantable, electronic devices, MDT, trade on New York, and Johnson & Johnson, which is as close to a healthcare mutual fund as you're going to find. They're into just about everything from drug, drugs to uh, heart valves to artificial Band-Aids. joints. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Band-Aids. Oh, everything. Baby shampoo. So, yeah. So... You know, Johnson & Johnson is sort of like a, a healthcare mutual fund. And finally, infrastructure. Brookfield Asset Management, that's what their business is. They go to institutions and say, look, we'll buy infrastructure, and you put money in, we'll buy infrastructure, and we'll manage that infrastructure, and we'll charge a fee for doing so. Brookfield Asset Management, BAM.A, another one that I've owned for years and years and years. One of the few things that most governments can agree on is that their infrastructure is falling apart and they need to put money in and to, to upgrade it. And of course, a natural beneficiary of that is going to be Brookfield and other companies like them. Okay, so let's give a quick thesis here. What, what do we do to build this Rip Van Winkle portfolio? We, we start out, we've talked about sectors. So we look at those sectors and we, maybe do we chart things out or what do we do? Yeah, take, take uh, these 10 sectors, 
and do your own homework. Find a stock in each one of these sectors that you like, or two, and then chart them. Just, uh, there's all kinds of charting services that you can, uh, you can get online. Just look at a long-term chart, and then when you see a dip, and that's a good time to buy these names. So, you know, once every week or once every two weeks, spend five minutes and just scroll through the charts and look and see how your stocks are doing. And if you're, you're, you're sensing opportunity, then start buying them on a regular basis. And, you know, point number two is it just blends in right with that, Gord, is that prices are sky high right now, and you want to buy these candidates on dip when their valuations are more reasonable. So if you have a stock chart and you're watching them, you'll say, oh, you know, maybe, maybe Medtronic was a good buy this week, and maybe a month Raytheon or Diageo are good buys. So you just start feeding them, buying a little bit at a time and building positions in these things. And you don't, you know, you need one or two stocks per sector in these 10 sectors. And you've got a great long-term portfolio, which is really all you'll ever need uh, to get you to the finish line. And you're not going to have to spend a lot of time on this. And these are the companies, even if you go through a, a pretty significant downturn, these are very, very durable companies that hold up very well. And you go through a significant downturn, maybe you can be like old Rip and sleep through it, you know. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. All right, my friend, we're back again next week with another edition of Making Money. Remember, if you have a question or a suggestion for a show, we're open to it. You can reach us through our website, letsmakemoney.ca, or through the cfcw.com portal. We're back again next week. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.